Welcome to Tag Talks Happy Hour with Ajit Kara. One part small talk, all parts real talk. This is the part of the day when Ajit gets to know the people behind the job titles at Tag. Hello, my name is Ajit Kara and I'm the CEO of Tag Americas. I believe that every company's biggest asset are its people. And I'm very fortunate to work at Tag where I think we have amazing people. So I decided to do a podcast to really understand what makes them tick and who are the people behind the curtain, so to speak. As always, I'm joined by Kaylee Stansfield, my producer. Hey, Kaylee, how are you doing? I'm well, Agit. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. How is your week going this week? I'm always busy, you know that. I see the earrings this week are very long. A little more subtle than usual. So that means I'm, I'm head down and, and getting down to business. Today, I'm delighted that I'm joined by a gentleman called Jacques Tejay. He works in our uh, Taylor James business as head of pipeline. Welcome, Jacques. Thank you. I have a sip of your wine. Let me know how you think. What do you think of it? Fantastic. Nice, is it? Good. I always like drinking this early in the day. It just makes the day go much nicer. <laughs> so, Jacques, welcome to my podcast. And just talk about, you're one of the few people that in our company was actually born and raised in New York. So... Yes. Whereabouts in New York were you uh, born? Yeah, I was born in Brooklyn in a neighborhood called Crown Heights. You might oh, have I know. Heard, of, <laughs> heard that neighborhood. It's nicer now, now that it's a historic district, but back in the 60s and 70s, it was, oh, it was, it was nice. It was nice enough. And did you stay in the neighborhood or have you, you moved out? Or? My father and mother lived with my mother's mother, my grandmother, my maternal which is, grandmother. Which is normal in those days, isn't it? I think Extended it was. family. It was. So, you know, he saved and saved, and when he was able to buy his first house, he moved us out to Queens. Oh, wow. So we moved to the, basically on the Queens-Nassau border. Right, the um, suburbs. Yeah, the real suburbs at that at that point, and I was 11 or 12, you know, so I had spent my early years in Brooklyn, and then through high school, I was in Queens. But then when I aged out of living with my folks, I moved back to Brooklyn, so I must have had an affinity for Brooklyn. <laughs> it's a pretty trendy place to be now, isn't it? It really is. It is, it is. And so when you were growing up, I did look at this as quite interesting, you wanted to be all the things that I wanted to be. So tell me about the things that you, when you were a young child, that you aspired to be, you know? Well, golly. All right, then I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to tread that ground. <laughs> so when I was very, very young, I was, um, you know, I wanted to be the astronaut, the yeah. cop. They looked like prestigious positions. Um, I think my, my dad wore a uniform to work. I was going to say that the, the trick here was is around the uniform, wasn't it? So I think it was. Astronaut, yeah. you know, police officer, you know. Um, yeah, some sort of an official capacity sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, well, good for you. I always wanted to be a police officer, actually. I actually took the test. Did you? Yeah, I, I was in grad school studying com- computer graphics. Things were fairly lean. I had um, I had started a design company when I was in, in grad school with a couple of partners in Chelsea, and we lasted for about a year and change, and then it kind of tanked. And I had a sister in law enforcement, and she actually just retired. She spent thirty three years. She was in Interpol and you know did the wow. whole international thing. And she was encouraging me to take the test. And I was like, oh, do I really want to? I mean, is it really, won't things improve for my CG career? So I, I did wind up taking the test. And I got like a 105 or something wow. like that. And is that good? I, out of 100. Out of 100, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, they give you extra points for getting your name right. Um, and they did call, but I was like, you know, I think I think yeah. I can make this CG but, but, thing work. But I think, well, I'll come back to that because I'm interested around how you you come come into the industry and you've been you're very artful, which we'll come back to. But back to New York, you know, being in and around the suburbs of New York, what attracts you to the Big Apple and the city? I mean, you've you know, many people that have either come to New York or moved away from New York, you've kind of stayed here. What attracts you to that apart from pizza? I think 
In our industry, I mean, there's a lot going on as far as commercial work, the art scene, you know, that that's New York is basically the, the right. you know, central to that. I actually, when I got married and had kids, I moved out to Jersey because I didn't really want them to. <laughs> I, I wanted to show them a different look. You know? The Jersey look. <laughs> yeah, the Jersey look. I don't regret it, but uh, New York is still the place to be as yeah. far as this. And it, was that linked to the fact that you did do, what brought you to, so you were fascinated by military folks or astronauts, etc. but then the, the pivot went to art. Yeah. How, how did that happen? Well, I had always liked drawing. Um, and when I was very young, I was also, you know, into going to church and these sorts of issues that as a six, seven, eight-year-old, sure. I don't know why I was embedded there. But I remember the first time that I actually looked at Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments and just looking at how artful it was. It was beautiful, and, and especially the VFX, like the splitting. Oh, yeah. of. I spent some time just illustrating, like making a, a little book yeah. of, of all of the VFX shots in that film at maybe eight or nine years old. But from then on, I was really interested in, in visual effects and animation. So, you know, into the Ray Harryhausen movies, like The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad was a big favorite of mine. Now, this. that is arguably one of my favorite. Is that the one with the... Or is it Jason the Argonauts? Was that the one where they had the kind of big mythical creatures that he was fighting? Uh, both of them had big mythical creatures, but there was a unique thing about Sinbad movie was, right. I forget the name of the god with the multi-arms, right. six arms, yeah. and I was just fascinated by that whole sequence. And so what that spawned was when I was in seventh grade, I partnered up with another friend of mine who was also a good illustrator, and we, we formed a company. Right. Well, um, entrepreneurial. Yeah, GT Enterprises. And what we did was stop, eight millimeter stop motion movies. Um, and that's how it was done in those days, wasn't it? That kind of stop, shoot, stop, shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was crazy. You know, all traditional effects. Um, you know, Fangora magazine was one of my favorites because, you know, it would talk about all the, what was happening in the industry as far but as... But what, what do you think about when, because when I watched, I haven't seen it for a long time, now you're going to make me want to go and watch Sinbad again. But mm. I think it, I was astonished when I saw it and then I looked to see how old it was. Because you're thinking, well, actually, these are pretty good effects. Yeah. And then you go back, and they were made in the 50s, if I remember correctly. And you think, oh, my God, how did they do this in the 50s? And now you're seeing more and more of these older films being digitally re-enhanced. Are you kind of, where do you stand on that spectrum? Do you wish the original art to be left as alone, or don't mind it being enhanced? Because it's astonishing how they did it then. It definitely is. When we talk about en enhanced, if we're talking about improving the sort of the, the quality of the picture, but not necessarily re-overlaying effects or enhancing effects, right. then, then I'm all for it. Um, because what's coming out as a result are frames that are a lot cleaner than they were yeah. back in the day. So the re that sort of level of remastering, I'm, I'm in favor of. And what's your view on you know, deep fakes, which, by the way, is disturbing when you see how realistic some of this stuff is? Absolutely phenomenal. So are you a fan of, like, The Mandalorian? And uh, I think there's a new Boba Fett series on Disney Plus with Luke Skywalker as he looked at the end of episode six, I believe, because it's, like, telling a backstory, you know, the post, uh, post-war story of Luke Skywalker or whatever. So there's, they use deep fake technology to provide us a version of Luke Skywalker that looks better than the traditional CG pipeline version of you yeah, know, the digital crazy, Luke Skywalker. Yeah. So when you started doing that work yourself, did that inspire you? And did you spend like, you know, because you're quite a science fi buff as well, don't you? you like all that sort of stuff as well? Definitely. I, I remember seeing Star Wars for the first time. Actually, The Empire Strikes Back at Los Astor Plaza in Times Square. I think I was 12 at the time. And, you know, widescreen 70 millimeter, we got great seats. And I had never seen a movie like that before. Wow. 
at that age, at that scale, um, and totally engaged from that. And back to when you were, what was your earliest memories then? I mean, what sort of impacted you when you were a younger child? When you talk about things that, that are impactful, there are those positive things that are impactful, and then those are, there are things that are, that are traumatic. And I'll have to say, one of the reasons that I wanted to raise my kids in Jersey is because there were a fair amount of traumatic things that I witnessed in growing up in Crown Heights when I was younger. But understanding about the assassination of uh, Martin Luther King, with that layered on top of the traumatic things that I would witness in the neighborhood, it made, for some reason, it made that visceral. And I remember seeing a photograph in, in Life magazine of Dr. King in the hospital with, I think this was the first assassination attempt. I remember just not being able to grasp why it is there is so much violence in the world. And I also remember being hopeful that by the time I was grown, that we would have world peace. Things would, har- things would har- become harmonious, harmonize themselves. And that, has not, that hasn't happened. Well, it hasn't happened, but what has happened is that you're probably one of the calmest people that I know. And I'll come on to why, because well, I'll tell you now that you, know, you, you very kindly host sessions in our business for helping people with stress. And you, know, you use your martial arts skills for that. Tell me, well, I never actually managed to get to one of your classes, but they're pretty well subscribed in our meeting room here where you would take people through. Talk to me about where that came from. I think you're a self-proclaimed introvert, aren't you? So does it have, tell me about how you felt with those experiences and how it's shaped you and how you've, you've, you've sort of... I think you've conquered the wrong word, but you turned it into a positive, in my view. Yeah, that, that's a really good question. I think a lot of it stems from those things that I described witnessing when I was younger and feeling less in control than I would like to be. So when I was old enough to sign up for classes, you know, I signed up for to a martial arts school that where they trained in Shotokan karate and judo and Chinese kempo to learn real self-defense. Right. So you did um, it from a protection perspective. To to try to, you know, get some control over over a situation environment that I feel like I felt like I had no control over. You know, it's a sense of empowerment when you kind of don't have to be afraid. It's an eternal struggle because I find, you know, I still don't like that sort of conflict but yeah it was just it, it was an attempt to to get control over that it's very relevant today like you know with the things going on in the world today it's easy to feel a little bit helpless a little bit you know and and i think that can affect us and i think you know you, you, your mental well-being is critical and so how when did how did you recognize or when did you recognize that your martial arts was helping you with your kind of mental well-being and how did that translate to helping folks in tag, because you do. I mean, a lot of people rely on you for doing that. Another great question. So I've always been a spiritual person as well. And there was a point where we were introduced, the school was introduced to these folks that were doing Tai Chi. And I started practicing Tai Chi with that group. That's one of many different Tai Chi instructors or schools that I've practiced with. But what it introduced me to was a feeling of being wholly connected not only to myself, my body, my movement, but to my surroundings, even down to you know what was happening in the atmosphere, the air that was coursing past my skin. So I was not used to that level of um, realization of my position, my relationship to my surroundings. And I felt some sort of a spiritual connection happen at that point. I realized that through practicing Tai Chi, you can sort of, a, you can achieve this level of this feeling of harmonious existence, even amongst the turmoil and the chaos that you might be embedded in. If I can feel that level of improvement or that level of separation from chaos and from fear and from feeling out of control, then other folks could feel it too. 
And so I'm a, I'm a staunch advocate for people exposing themselves to that, whether it's Tai Chi or whether it's yoga, you know, something, some activity that can take them away from that stress yeah. space. Because you don't actually always have to be engaged in the activity to remove yourself from that stressful place. You start to develop these mechanisms that you can trigger on the fly, no matter where you are. And that's really the goal. Yeah. Pre-COVID, when we were in the office all the time, you had a full class every Tuesday, I think I remember. Yeah, that was encouraging. It was I, great. I was happy that people wanted to, wanted to connect with that. And so talk to me a bit more about family. So you're very proud of your children, as you should be. Have they taken on their martial arts as well? I used to take my son. He's 21 now. He's, oh, he's, at right. he's, he's not a boy anymore, is he? He's a man. Yeah, he is. He is brilliant um, electrical engineer. He's, I can't tell you the number of 4.0s that he's pulled out, oh. taking you know, advanced. But anyway, when he was younger... Um, I used to take him with me to my sessions. So he was basically my apprentice. I would take him to the school in Queens where the practice is, because it's a bad neighborhood, the practice is more more aggressive, more visceral, more quote unquote real. And then to the classes in Jersey, which were more sort of laid back. So he was exposed to you know both sides of it. I think maybe I introduced him to it too early because he became somewhat disinterested. Uh, so, but he told me, he, yeah, he told me a couple of days ago that he's actually started to practice at his in his dorm again. So oh, wow. I'm happy about that. Yeah, if you could imagine yourself doing something in the future, what would it be? The thing that really inspired me to dig into this career was filmmaking. You know, we were telling stories, great visual. Well, there was an enjoyment behind creating these environments, building them up, tearing them down, using them to communicate something. Um, I think that if I had a ton of spare time and you know endless resources, I would probably get back into that. There's some scripts I want to produce. I'd probably do that. Ask Agent anything. <laughs> Jack. Yes. You've been a lot of fun. This is your opportunity now to ask me anything that you may want to ask. Actually, yeah, there is a question. It's not a, it has to do with your approach to the business. Right. Something that you say frequently, and what I think is true, I think it's authentic, that tag is the best place. You want to make tag the best place yeah. for people to work. And that is such a great angle and perspective to take on managing a business. What led you to understanding how deeply important that aspect is right. more than just the, you know, the bottom line. It's a good question, Jacques. And I think for me, it came from a point of view of um, a very simple perspective and a very simple understanding, which is that, you know, we are people business and our clients engage with us from a people perspective. You know, some of the things that you talked about today, if people are engaged, highly motivated, passionate and happy and mentally well-being, all of those things put together, whatever role you do in the company, you're more likely to be successful at that and to be a highly charismatic individual that other people feed off that and clients feed off that. So it comes from a very simple, humble view that nearly everyone that comes to work wants to do a great job. And if we can create the environment where people feel highly engaged, then the best will be for everyone. It's really as, as simple as that. And I, I stand by that observation. You know, people perform best when they feel secure, confident, happy, engaged, ha you know, powerful and all these things. I, th I think that's what drives, drives folks forward. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So, Jacques, um, I would like to end by saying thank you for everything that you do for the business. You know, like the passion that you show to help other colleagues. The Thai classes are, Tai Chi classes are fantastic. You know, it's clear to see that you're a good human being, a good family man, and thank you for everything, Chuck. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the wine. Oh, well.
Join us soon for another episode of Tag Talk's Happy Hour with Ajit Kara and learn more about the people behind the job titles at Tag. Thank you.